0: Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. This is Fergus in Chicago. As always, you can follow me on Twitter or on LinkedIn. You can also visit our site at onstrategyshowcase.com to hear previous episodes and also to see the creative work and connect with our, our guests. Excited today to talk about the New York Times campaign, the Truth Campaign. And the New York Times has this great principle, which is seeking the truth no matter where it may lead. I'm a big fan of that line, and I'm also a a subscriber to the New York Times for many years. But I think there's a legitimate question that says, you know, what is the truth? Who decides what is true? How do we recognize the truth? It's not black and white. One person's truth can be another person's lie. And that is sort of what has created the dilemma that we now face in the U.S. and in many other countries around the world. A few months ago, I read a great book by uh, Larry Tai. T-Y-E. The book is called Demagogue. Uh, If, like Larry, you studied McCarthyism and the rise of Senator Joe McCarthy in the 1950s, you quickly see that the same playbook that was used back then to demonize institutions, the government and individuals, and undermine the media is being rolled out now. It's the exact same playbook. It, It is actually uncanny to look at the parallels and other people have written about this too as a brilliant book by Anne applebaum it's called the twilight of democracy it's a quick read and it's a really terrific read and she makes many of the same points which is there's literally a playbook that has maybe 10 steps on how you can execute against this sort of propaganda and uh, what's most interesting about it all is that the playbook has always been based on a kernel of truth twisted You know, for example, yes, a government building may have been burnt down in Portland, Oregon by protesters, but then that's twisted into a headline like, our cities are under attack. So this kernel of truth approach has been the basis of propaganda and biased media uh, throughout history. So the truth campaign is not only great work, but it's important work. The first phase focuses on the importance of truth in the face of political disinformation. The subsequent phases build on this by widening the lens and inviting us into the process of fact-finding journalism and the importance of multiple informed and validated perspectives. Ultimately, this is a campaign focused on demonstrating why the New York Times brand of journalism is worth paying for. So this is the truth campaign with Chanel Calfus, Executive Director of Brand Marketing at the New York Times, and Laurie Howell, Executive Creative Director at Droga5, New York. Enjoy. The truth is, our nation is more divided than ever. The truth is,
1: alternative facts are just plain delusional. The, the media needs to be held. The,
0: the truth case. is, locker room talk is harmless. The, the truth is, we need to the put the safety the of the American people first. The, the truth is, we need Muslim. a full man, investigation man, of,
2: the of any kind. The truth is, the truth is.
0: We think we know the New York Times, but we have listeners around the world who may be uh, uh, not as familiar with how iconic it is in uh, certain circles globally and certainly on a more popular basis across the United States. But, But tell us about what the New York Times is and what it sees itself as maybe is the way to think about it.
1: The Times has been around for a long time, 170 years. So you know i think the way that we we tend to think of what we do and and sort of our distinction is that while all new all news publishers impart information there are a few things i think that we feel set set the new york times apart so first and foremost our independence and when we say independence what we mean by that is that we seek the truth wherever it may lead we hold power to account our aim is quality not clicks we really you know put a lot of rigor and um and effort into our reporting um secondly as part of that we really think that like what makes us different, isn't just that we're sharing facts, we're helping people understand. So understanding, um, it's, you know, core to our mission, we seek the truth and help people understand the world, but understanding ultimately like really takes more work, more touch points, more articles, um, formats. Like we really wanna want to be there to help our readers connect the dots. Um, and then lastly, just as we think about our role um, in the world, the world is actually like core to core to what we do as well so what what that means is like the literal world because we've got reporters on the ground in over 150 countries so we are a global Operation. And then also, we mean your world. So, whether it's breaking news or culture, what to cook for dinner, we really try to think about um, our reporting and our journalism holistically to provide as much value for our readers as possible. So, those sort of three pillars independence, understanding, and the world are really core to what makes the Times different or what we believe uh, distinguishes us from, um, from other publications.
0: I just wanted to set up the way I kind of see or have have been thinking about what the problem was that resulted in the need for this campaign. As I see it, it was the switch to digital news model, right, had eroded revenues and readership levels, but also the political assault on independent journalism. And that's, you know, that's and that's ability to sort of undermine and its attempts to undermine what independent media, in this case, the New York Times, was all about. But I'm curious, Laurie, in going back to those early meetings, how did this get on the radar for Droga 5? And what was it that the client described as their need?
2: I think your instincts are right. Independent news was under attack. Fake news was um, this kind of like term which was being thrown around with quite a lot of venom. And I think um, it was an opportunity um, to kind of take stock uh, as, as a brand and and find a way to just very simply um, establish a clear point of view, um, a role for the brand in that moment. Um, and, you know, it can come straight out of a core value. And I think um, we're lucky. In a way, although obviously there's a lot of challenges that came with that climate. But having an inherent tension in, in the outside world allowed us to be a lot more um, succinct and singular and simple um, with, our, um, with our platform. Um, and, and that just that sets us up to do so many exciting different pieces of work.
0: So Chanel, what's your understanding of what originally motivated the first phase of the Truth Campaign?
1: I think that strategically, whenever we set out to do a campaign for the Times, we start with the same goal. Um, that goal is how do we grow the number of readers who believe that Times journalism is worth paying for? So we, we're we always looking to connect um, what's happening in culture to the role Times journalism can play in our readers' lives. And so for Truth, um, you know, it was about, like Lori said, Addressing misinformation and questions about what is true um, and, and the questioning of the media. And that really, I think, was, was the anchor point for, for a lot of the work that, that followed.
0: There were many ways you could have responded to that sort of undermining and questioning of the times by the, by the political right. What made this the right direction?
2: The Truth Platform um, just really stood out in how. And just how efficient it was in, in getting the point across. We were lucky that the intention was already in everyone's kind of bones out there. So as soon as you heard the word truth, you understood it was being attacked. But you also immediately attached it to the, the New York Times brand, which is a, a testament to the integrity and the kind of, I guess, the longevity and how, how, how long um, the, the, the organization has been around.
0: What was it about that word? Where did that bubble up and what made it so powerful?
2: The relationship we all have with truth, um, you know, as people and as journalists, um, it's complex. Uh, The truth challenges us, it provokes us, gives us something to navigate our lives by. Um, But it's also the north star um, and the most important driving force for New York Times journalists. Um, They, you know, the 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 phrase "seeking the truth no matter where it may lead" that brings with it so many um, uh, complex like questions and and and. Parts of the process—it's—it's it's really hard. It's challenging. It demands a sense of rigor and integrity, like, like nothing else. Um, and so, the work we do, you know, in um, the advertising is—we look to understand that um, in our in our commercials, and we look to present it in like in, in a compelling way.
0: Chanel is the truth as a word. Is that something that has been at the heart of New York Times communications in the past, or was this created? for the purposes of this, camp, of this brand platform. Truth I had not heard in the past as being something that, that seemed even necessary to be said in independent journalism.
1: Ultimately, it's our mission. It's when you, when you start at the Times, like I remember when I, when I joined, that was the, the thing that, that everybody understood.
0: Has there been two phases or has there, there been three phases? The, the first that, I, that I've been able to see is like truth is hard, Mm -hmm. Was there a second phase called the truth is worth it or was that just a different execution off the same? Yeah,
2: no, no, exactly. I just just want to go back to the point that you were just making um, as well. I think when you, when you mentioned that, you know, it it feels like something that doesn't need to be said, I think that's the genius in this. I think that because it's like all great strategy, all great creative, it sits in the world that, you know, at that moment in that time. And I think the fact that we, needed to say it says so much about the time that we were living in but it also s- set us up to do so much work because it had so much inherent emotion built in and i think that's i think that's what's really great that there's no doubt that the new york times has always stood for that going back to your question there almost are three phases i think there was a second phase called the truth is worth it and that was a that was a really interesting uh, strategic time because we We'd essentially uh, made a very clear um, and provocative statement that lots of people have responded very positively to. Which which and is? Which was the truth is more important now than ever. The truth is hard. Yeah. Um, and executionally, that work was very simple. It was black type in Karnak font um, on on white, and it was almost it, it was um, it was elegant in how simple it was. It was also quite um, um it was quite a, a kind of like a, a bold. Uh, way of um, communicating in film, especially on TV. It was so almost like normcore, reductive. Um, but you can't you can't do that forever. you know people uh, tune out they, they they get it you know they you know what what more do you have to say? And so what we did is we we started a process of st- strategically and creatively of trying to work out how that message could evolve. And I think that that became um, the truth is worth it. And the truth is worth it. I think was almost the fullest version of the truth um, statement, in the sense that it was such a simple way of showing, like the, almost like the three hundred and sixty degree um, meaning of what we were trying to say. We're trying, we're saying with that statement, uh, the truth is worth it. The truth is worth pursuing, no matter where it may lead. Um, the truth is worth it for society because it offers us a kind of a a a yardstick like a centre of gravity to uh, make decisions by um it also truth is worth it personally it allows you to navigate the world and understand the things but i mean it came it also was a very simple message around value is that the truth is worth paying for the truth is uh worth supporting um new york times it is is an organization worth subscribing to and your money um, your subscription goes into supporting the journalists and the journalism who are seeking the truth no matter where it may go. So it, as, a, as a core strategy, that, was, that allowed us to do lots of interesting work. And you can see it um, in, in, I think, the next three years um, following that. When you took
0: the turn from truth is hard into truth is worth it, what was the content distinction between both of those phases?
2: I think the first executional element we did was around our our journalists and like the um, the pursuit of the truth we had just done the Oscar work which was she said he said which was uh, black text on white um, and I think we we'd also done um, some work which was you know about photojournalists um, and then we just thought there was a, a really interesting creative idea in following a journalist all the way from the beginning to the end and a printed headline. And I think um, he, he's not on this podcast but my partner um, Toby Toby Treer Evans and I we, we sat down and we thought, what if journalists thought in headlines um, they almost look they almost look, they're in the field and in, in front of their eyes the headlines are writing and rewriting as, as they go
1: that's the only circumstance to which you would separate you can't imagine doing it out of the line this is caitlin dickerson from the new york Times. this isn't the only case very little documentation okay, okay, but i know that's not true and the shelters really don't know what to do with them i just got another person at dhs to confirm this. i have this number we're going to publish this story
2: and we thought that we started to kind of like dig on that and and, and prototype it and we thought that could actually become a really compelling storytelling device because it allowed us to very quickly go from um, the very beginning of the process to this locked in printed headline in words um, at the end. And, and it used words, which are essentially the weapon of the times or the, um, the kind of the medium of the times to communicate with the world as the kind of core hook.
0: We're reporters from The New York Times. No flights,
2: no roads. We're trying to figure out what animals are being affected. I think a lot of this is a really challenging place to work. El Nino starting to go
0: haywire. Everywhere is going to get
2: touched by climate change. Yeah, and it was brilliant because it allowed it allowed you to see what goes into being a journalist. And that ultimately is in a crude way, it's kind of bang for your buck. You know, what's um, someone spending five years investigating something, and you see everything that goes into that five years, and then you you see that in a headline, and you go, "Wow, okay, that headline is worth reading. It's worth paying for." It's so,
0: Chanel, what, what's your thoughts on on that phase of the work? The truth is worth it. That second phase, and anything you'd add about the, the strategic role of that or the importance of that in the campaign.
1: This one in particular was really, really effective because ultimately what it showed was was the lengths our journalists sometimes have to go to 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 report a story um, as accurately and as effectively as as they can. And so I think the the, the type of rigor um, that our journalists put into the work and, and I think Lori articulated it really nicely, which is like you see the end headline. Um, but oftentimes, you don't always see what went into it.
0: There was definitely attempts uh, in political circles to destroy the New York Times and to undermine its business. But in actuality, the opposite has happened. I mean, my understanding is that subscriptions are at all time highs. It, there's never been that, and it's dominated by digital.
1: Yeah, I can't speak to the specifics of like the the sort of change in that time, but I, you know, what I can say is that. You know, at the end of the day, all of our brand work aims to we're we're a subscription business.
0: You may not be able to say it, but but i will I will drop what have I will drop in my introduction what have been very well reported numbers um on what's happened in subscriptions. My understanding in simple terms is that the New York Times has never had as many subscribers as it now has. and and I think, that's an extraordinary achievement for whatever reason that's built upon. So let's talk about, let's talk about the latest campaign. It seems to me that there's a bit of a pivot that's happening and I'm wondering what was, um, what were the conversations that were happening internally in, in, um, in deciding where to go next after those first two phases
2: is exactly that is an evolution. I mean, I was trying to think of a good analogy, but I think it's a little bit like standing in the middle of a, an idea Um like the truth and you're looking one way and you're putting your focus on the journalists which is a, a big part of it and you're just slowly turning around and and there's work as you go and then you're turning around and then turning around and then you're looking at the, the subscri- subscribers or the readers which is the other is the it's like it's almost like the the, the other side of this same idea um i think we we um, we did some great work in between Truth is Worth It um, and Life Needs Truth, which was you know um, very much focused on um, cultural issues and, and, and moments in culture. But Life Needs Truth was this um, this this piece that almost bridged the gap between the journalism and and and, and the life that you were leading, and and it, it sat in twenty twenty when we were obviously feeling um, huge amounts of change and um, lots of very um, you know, intense and um, interesting kind of pulls and forces in different directions. And we were trying to say with that work, that the New York Times is there as a, as a kind of almost like a, a, um, a rail through that a kind of a, a way of understanding it, of navigating it on your own personal terms. And it started to get us thinking of, of around of what, what our personal relationship is with the New York Times as an individual subscriber. Um, and like Chanel says, we then kind of, you know, the natural evolution, although we had lots of discussions of what, what that kind of um would look like, it, it felt like it was time to do some work which really kind of celebrated our our readers' lives, our subscribers' yeah. lives.
1: We kind of asked ourselves a question at the outset of this work, which is like you you mentioned like what was the the challenge we were solving for in in the truth campaign. I think similarly we're we're thinking about like At this point in time and where we are right now, culturally, what does our audience need to believe about the times in order to engage and subscribe? And so, you know, again, like as we are thinking about, like, how do we show them the value? We wanted to understand, like, where they were at. And so we, 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 at the outset of campaign development this time around, we conducted some, uh, a deprivation study, um, where we removed every aspect of the times from readers lives for a full week to see what we could learn about the role the times played in their lives. And so it, in the process of doing that, we were actually really inspired and interested to, to hear that, like, once we extracted the times from, from people's lives and from subscribers lives specifically, they expressed like truly feeling like less like themselves. Um, They said that their lives lacked flavor and color. And um, I, I, I think it got us thinking and got us, got us wondering if, if that was their life without the times what do their lives with the times feel like? How does the time add value, enrich them, inspire them? Um, and the Droga team came back to us with, with a really great platform that we felt was was best illustrated through our subscribers because they are the people who have the richest, most multidimensional relationship with the times. Um, and so we wanted to show how on a very individual level, the times and our, you know, this all of our journalism contributes to, to creating, you know, these independent lives of our subscribers.
0: Do you feel that you have conquered the questioning of truth?
1: I don't think that we would say that. And I don't, I, I you know, I think right now we're having a lot of really great strategic conversations around, you know, what comes next, but ultimately like this wasn't an intentional pivot away from the truth. It just, just where we landed ultimately was at, with a message that we felt was, was really spoke to the moment. So like, as, as, and it happened to be a non-truth line. I don't think it was like a, a, a very, you know, it wasn't an active decision to say, let's walk away from truth. Um, And I don't know if we would say like, we would never go back to truth. Like, I think we just want to make sure that we're relaying, um, you know, what is the the most motivating, compelling, relevant message for people at the time. And I think as we thought about like where people were culturally and and, you know, through the research too, what we learned was that our readers and subscribers were kind of you know, at at an inflection point themselves. We talked about cultural movements like um the great resignation, people moving, people really trying to figure out like where they wanted to be in life. And so I think um we wanted a message that resonated that with that. And one of our key values, as I mentioned before, is independence. And we we really liked the tension and the parallel that came um with the line independent journalism. Um, for an independent life and showcasing how our journalism can be fuel and inspiration for people who are curious about, you know, about the world and curious about themselves. We really wanted to focus on spotlighting real subscribers because again, like, you know, they have such a deep rich relationship um, with the journalism and we feel like we, we, we found, um, you know, subscribers who were all so different and so interesting in their own right um, and ultimately underpinned the notion that the journalism is not singular um, and neither are our readers.
0: So, Laurie, can you describe what these spots are about in this latest work?
2: So we had this idea, essentially, um, to fill a screen with a life um, and paint portraits of our readers in film using the journal- journalism that they'd read um, and have this quite drastic visual device, which is very like full, you know, like type all over the screen building as, as the film builds. And we love that, we love how different that is. Um, and as the words build, they, they're woven together deliberately to tell a story, almost like an evolution. You're painting a picture, you're painting a portrait of that, that individual subscriber. And then when you get to the end of the film, essentially the idea is that you have this full picture of who that person is. What we tried to do with this work is almost like show how um, you're, you're constantly living on, alongside the New York Times. It's fueling your curiosity. Your curiosity is fueling where you lead, what you read. Um, and it all kind of combines to kind of connect with who you are.
1: Well, I get up, I have breakfast, then I leave, the New
2: York no time. Life in bright colors, oil, eggs with a drop of magic. Good
1: morning, dear. Rebranding the Bronx, oh, memories fueled by Struggle, a silky cello oh, tone and quiet elegance, room for Bach, requiem for a piano, me cute at zero years old. Give me your hand for a moment. The phone call is back. Hello? Eugene O'Neill is everywhere. I'm Go back to the piano. Reclaiming your horse. What life really smells like. Uncovering beauty and ordinary noise. Finding comfort in a TV dinner. This is peak potato. Getting older without getting old. That's a tough one. What makes a musical genius. You I heard my name. It's never too late to publish that book. Learn something new every day. Mm. It
2: takes me the whole morning to check.
1: We really wanted to to go wide with the people that we found. And then um, as we as we thought about how we could continue to evolve the campaign, we thought it felt like the right moment and the right time to introduce someone who um who had a high profile. Questlove just happens to be. I think arguably one of the most curious people, uh, out there and, and we we're really excited and he's a huge Wordle fan and, and really has, has had a long relationship with the times. And so we felt like expanding, I, I personally feel like starting with, um, you know, everyday subscribers and then building upon that and layering on, um, someone like Questlove actually, I think just, just underpins the campaign with the fact that this is about real subscribers.
0: West love is the poetry of stillness. <laughs> a thundering drumbeat. Discovering the virtues of a wandering That's mind. Set my
2: brain to dream.
0: Is there anybody out there? Conflict and climate change. A new Black dream.
2: Black people really aren't taught to dream.
0: Finding purpose by giving back. Bending genres.
2: I could be an award palette for director.
0: The hidden melodies of trains. I'm with
2: train travel.
0: How y'all use and you guys talk. Philadelphia the sacred spell of words. Exploring the Plant Kingdom's uncanny valley. The power of identity. This art was looted. A country on the brink. Carving a path into the heart of Philadelphia. A story of love and obsession. Affirmation
1: etched in vinyl.
2: Universe
1: works you know, in this latest phase that we just launched this year, or, or this week rather, um, we we opened it up, opened the campaign up for participation with all of our subscribers. So we created Story Portrait, um, which allows um you know our you know all of our subscribers the opportunity to explore how our journalism um is a part of who they are, and so we're we're excited to to continue to to think about how um this can be a campaign and almost like a rallying moment for our subscribers
0: so the new the new feature the new tool that launched yesterday uh, I tried it out, and what what happens is that you are able to i'll just briefly describe it and throw it back to chanel but you're actually you are you enter your name or your i think it's your name
1: your name yeah
0: and then off of all of the content that you read or have read over time within the new york times it builds this profile which sort of mirrors what's happening in the advertising so instead of it being about the content that Questlove has consumed within the New York Times across all of its sections, across all of its stories, across time, it's based upon your own experience and what you have consumed. And it creates this same sort of, is it a film that's the output or is it just the experience? No, it's not a
1: film actually. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a fairly accurate explanation of what it is. So it's called Story Portrait and, and ultimately like, we had really fallen in love with the creative construct that Lori just talked through, like the wall of headlines, essentially like if you get any spot, what it, what it, what it, what it signals is you are what you read, right. Or what you read really can inspire who you are. And so we had fallen in love with that creative construct and really started asking ourselves like how, like, I know that internally, every time we showed the work to someone, they're like, this is so cool. I wish I had one. Um, And so we started thinking, how could we let all of our subscribers experience that snapshot of themselves through Times Journalism? It was something we'd been really wanting to do. We wanted to create a participatory aspect of this campaign and felt like if we were ever going to do it, this was the campaign to do it with. Um, And so we landed on Story Portrait, which essentially takes your reading history against um, a collection of over 50,000 New York Times headlines and, you know, algorithmically with like the amazing teams that um, we worked with um, across Droga, Hello Monday and our internal teams um, and engineers basically created an experience that um, surfaces or, or, or pulls those headlines that you've read into a custom shareable portrait, so to speak, uh, um, that that is an expression of of you.
0: I want to uh, kind of ask you guys where this goes next, because in the U.S., we're heading towards uh, primaries in politics. We're heading towards the next election. And certainly it could be argued that the next election may be more important than the last one. The question is, where do you go next uh, are you do you know where you're going now next or do you sit at various times and kind of assess where culture is where politics is where the brand is how do you how do you approach planning towards what's next
1: i don't know that we've defined exactly what the next round of work is going to look like but we are in active conversations talking about how to continue to relay the the importance um, and value of quality independent journalism, we also are really thinking about how we can um, how we can sort of continue to keep people involved and, and engaged with our campaigns, um, and thinking about like how we can do so in a really integrated way.
0: It's uh, Chanel Kalphas, executive director, brand marketing at the New York Times. And Laurie Howell, Executive Credit Director at Drogo5 in New York. Thank you both for coming on the show. Great work. Thank you so
2: much. Thank you. Thanks, Fergus. And we'll see everybody on the next episode.